Welcome to Church of the Palms. My name is Kathy Bannister, and I serve as a shepherding deacon and food pantry volunteer in our congregation. Let us now prepare our hearts for worship as we bow our heads for the prayer of invocation. God of majesty, you led the Messiah through suffering into risen life and took him up to the glory of heaven. Clothe us with the power promised from on high and send us forth to the ends of the earth as heralds of repentance and witnesses of Jesus Christ, firstborn from the dead, who lives with you now and always in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. Let us praise God through our worship.
stand for the call to worship. Sing to God, sing praises to God's name. Let all the nations bow down to worship God. Ascribe power to God whose majesty is over all. Listen to hear God's mighty voice. Here we pray together God's guidance. The Holy Spirit empowers us to witness. Let us worship God. On this day of mystery and wonder, we reflect on our record as Easter people. Is there evidence that Christ is alive within us and among us? Is the work of the Spirit obvious to anyone who observes our words and our deeds? Let us seek God's forgiveness as we now admit the ways in which we have fallen short of this goal. Almighty God, you have raised Jesus from death to life and crowned him Lord of all. We confess that we have not bowed before him 
or acknowledged his rule in our lives, we have gone along with the ways of the world and failed to give him glory. Forgive us and raise us from sin, that we may be your faithful people, obeying the commands of our Lord Jesus Christ, who rules in the world and is head of the church, his body. In Jesus' name, amen. Let us now continue our time of confession in silence. Amen. Forgiveness is God's gift to us, one we can never earn, but we are welcome to accept. When we agree to God's freeing offer, we are also agreeing to let God's love change us. And in doing so, way is made for new life. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. Let us now affirm what we believe by saying together the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. May the peace of Christ be with you. I'd like to invite the children to come forward now as we take a few moments to greet one another.
Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Oh my goodness, what is happening over here? Good morning. Good morning. It's time to wake up. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> I'm so happy to see you all today. I have something really exciting to share with you. We're celebrating this morning, and we're not celebrating a person. We're celebrating three really important pieces of furniture that are new here in this, our sanctuary. That's what we call this building where we worship God. We call it a sanctuary. And the pieces are on what we call the chancel, which is an important place where we worship God. It's where we hear music played and sung, and we hear the Bible read. But really, every single corner of this building is where we worship God. But the chancel is important. So there's three pieces. So I'm going to show you what they are, and I'm going to see what you, you can help me understand about them. You can, you're going to have to turn around to see me here. This is the first one. Does anyone, this is called a pulpit. Does anyone know what happens here at the pulpit? At the pulpit. Any ideas? Parker does. Oh. Hold on, Miss Carol has a microphone for you, sweet girl. I think you, um, you say the book of the Bible there out loud. That's exactly right. Good right? job, sister. Yeah, because the Bible is really, really important to us in our tradition. Hold on, just hold it, and I'll come back to it, okay? Is that the Bible is how we know Jesus, and Jesus is how we know God. So from the pulpit, we read the Bible, and we preach, we talk about what we think the Bible is saying to us, what the Holy Spirit is saying to us today in this place as his people, what God wants us to know and what God wants us to do. Okay, so here... I'm I'm coming up here now. Here's the second one. Isn't this beautiful too? See how they're curvy like this? It's because it looks like a palm tree a little bit, right? Isn't it beautiful? And this swirly bowl with blue and green. Does anyone know what this is for? You get zaptized. You get what? Zaptized. Zaptized. <laughs> That's right. You get zaptized. baptized here. That's exactly right. In fact, this morning, at 11 o'clock, we're going to baptize two babies. This is very exciting. And our baptism is when we hear about how much God loves us, how much... We were, well, no, you, many of you were probably baptized right here at this very, at this very chancel. And we hear about how God loves us when we're baptized. And we learn also about how when we are baptized, we get folded into this big community, God's big community, and how you guys are a part of that. So every Sunday, even Sundays when we're not baptizing or zaptizing anyone, we can look to it and we can remember God's love for us and that we're a part of something so important. And there's one more important piece. Does anyone know what it might be? Does anyone see it? It looks similar. Oh, that's right. That's right. You, you know what this is? is called? A table. It's called a table. That's right. That's really important, too. We don't call it an altar. It's a table. And who sat around a table with his friends and ate a lot and had lots of good meals and told them lots of important things? My friends. With Jesus. Yeah, and I heard Jesus. Jesus' friends. Jesus and his friends. That's right. Jesus and his friends, that's exactly right. They sat around the table, and Jesus told them, he said, every time you eat 
bread. And every time you drink juice, I want you to remember me and remember how much I love you, remember how much God loves you, and that I am asking you to love one another. It's really important what happens at this table. And we have the bread. You know, some Sundays we have the bread and the cup. And we all share it together as a family, and it can make us feel safer, it can make us feel stronger, and it ties us together as a family of faith. Isn't this all so neat? So or they're beautiful, and we're so grateful for them. And I'm so grateful for you guys, because you know so much. I'm so <laughs> just always impressed by how clever and, and bright and um, how much you guys love God, and it really is inspiring to me. So will you pray with me now? Loving and gracious God, we give you thanks for this place, and we give you thanks for these people, and we give you thanks for these special ways and these special pieces of furniture that help us remember what to put at the center of our lives, these things that remind us of your great love for us. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Good morning. And good morning at home if you're worshiping uh, online with us. We're glad that you've joined us. Um, this morning, this is our last announcement for Gather and Grow. The class is ending today after a wonderful season, a wonderful new experiment. We really have loved it. So at 1015 Campus Center, and you will get a treat with Pastor Steve talking about pilgrimage. So we hope you join us for the last class and then we will, we will resume in the fall again. Uh, we are wrapping up our collection today for Second Heart Homes. And so if you've brought something with you, you can drop it under the tree or in the office. And uh, thank you so much for participating in this. Um, what are we wearing next Sunday on Pentecost Sunday? What are we wearing you got it. Now, if you don't have red, doesn't mean you don't come to church. You can still come to church in different colors, but please wear red. It always looks wonderful. Some of you came in red early, actually, but wear the same thing next week. It'll be great, <laughs> okay? Um, and after the service, we get to go in the Palm Center and look at uh, our wonderful congregations, talented, um, all the crafts and all the things that people have come up with. So you get to see that and experience that. And uh, speaking of that, today is the last day to sign up. I'm sure somebody in this place has been thinking, ah, you know, I do some things at home and maybe I could sign up for this. Well, yes, do it. We would love to see what you do. We know you're talented. We know uh, we get to watch this gift of yours. Now, student ministry announcement. The middle and high schoolers are celebrating the start of summer today with this big kickoff at 5.30. And listen to this. It will include line dancing, barbecue, 
and a mechanical bull. <clears throat> so I might not show up, but you are, <laughs> families are all invited to go and stay. And uh, even the fifth graders that are going into sixth grade are invited to do their first ministry thing. So good luck to them. Um, Summer tutoring, there will be, you know how um, it's so important, the kids lose so much over the summer, so uh, our wonderful, um, uh, <laughs> I forget her name, my goodness, but um, our wonderful tutoring director has, uh, has Corinne, of course, has decided to um, make this summer a wonderful thing by um, just adding some tutoring during the summer, which is so important for our kids. So it will be for grades one through fifth through five on Tuesdays and Thursdays, like it is uh, already, and June 13 through July 27. So it's a short commitment. So if you'd like to to tutor for the first time, go ahead and sign up on the website. Or if you have a child that needs tutoring, go ahead and sign up your child. Um, Day of Hope will be on July 15. This is a wonderful thing we do for our children and to get them uh, started with the school year right with backpacks and with food and with uh, school supplies, personal care items. So um, there's all kinds of information in your bulletin on page 17 to know how you can donate or how you can volunteer. And we do need you to volunteer volunteer. And now uh, we are going to sh watch a short video about VBS. Good morning! As you can tell from that promo video and my understated outfit, this summer's Vacation Bible School is going to be a totally cosmic adventure. I'm Colleen Buckmeyer and I'm this year's VBS Volunteer Director. We are T-minus 14 days until this campus is filled with children, teens, and adults for a week-long stellar adventure, exploring the ways we can shine Jesus' light in the world. We are so grateful for your support of this important week in family ministry. As we approach liftoff, 
We're asking you to keep our VBS in your prayers. May our week be filled with laughter, love, and kindness. May our adult volunteers be energized and enthusiastic. May our campers feel welcomed and loved. May our teen leaders step into their roles with confidence and joy. May the good news shared at VBS blast off beyond our church walls and into our community. And may we all shine Jesus's light at VBS and beyond.
even ministers to come forward. I would love to take this privilege to introduce to all of you our new six Stephen Ministers class of 2023. Two of them are traveling for a child's graduation. So here we are from this side, uh, to my right to left, Nancy D, Nancy Speed, Linda Holly, Laura Treving, and Margie Malaro. And I would like to invite you all to give them a welcome congratulations. So friends, you have been trained for 50 hours and ready to serve God's children. I like to thank you officially for answering God's call to be God's caring Stephen ministers <clears throat> as God is the cure giver. I have questions, installation questions for you. Will you prayerfully considering what is mean, what it, will you prayerfully consider what it means to serve in Stephen ministry? Will you promise that you will fulfill the commitments of a Stephen minister? If you will, please say, I will. Will you receive ministry assignments? Will you care for the best of your ability for the care receiver assigned to you, meeting with her regularly and praying for her daily and recognizing that God is the cure giver, will you? Will you trust Jesus through the Holy Spirit to continually equip and empower you for this ministry of caring and to be present and active in all your caring visit, will you? Will you serve as part, a part of a larger team, honoring and praying for your fellow Stephen ministers, Stephen leaders and the pastors and the church staff, will you? <coughs> Having answered all those questions, you are now duly installed as our newest Stephen ministers. Thank you and congratulations. Now, let me pray and then we will, you all join me in the Lord's Prayer. Our most gracious and loving God, we give you thanks for calling and equipping these, our sisters, in 50 hours of training. These, our new Stephen ministers, bless them, keep them, strengthen them, and encourage them as they care for your children in need. May they always remember that they are your caregivers and you are the cure giver. Now here as we pray together as Jesus taught us, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. As our Stephen ministers are returning to their seats, we have come to a moment of gratitude in our worship. 
We have been celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ and Jesus being among us and God, God's love in and among us. So today is commonly known as the Ascension Sunday and we remember and give thanks to God and celebrate Jesus returning home to God. Now we also can give our gratitude for that love of God and remaining Holy Spirit among us by giving our offerings and tithings. The baskets are at the doors and on the back of our bulletin are few other ways of giving our thanks to God with our money and resources. Let us now have our moment of gratitude.
Let us pray. Our most loving and generous God, we give you thanks for your blessings that we receive every day from you. Here now we bring our offerings of love and gratitude to you. Bless them and let them be your instruments of love, peace, justice, and all the good things around the world for all your creation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Friends, just a month ago, we celebrated the 30th anniversary of our sanctuary and rededicated this space to the ongoing worship and ministry of Church of the Palms. With such rededication has come the work to transition our space and its furnishings to allow for the growing vision of our life together and over the course of the last three years we've been working to design and develop our chancel furnishings our baptismal font our pulpit and our communion table that they might appropriately adorn the sanctuary and functionally support today's uses of our space these pieces have arrived over long stages and are now finally here and we give thanks for the families that have provided for our original pieces 30 years ago and for the families that have made it possible for these beautiful new pieces that are here this day. So in the, for the purposes of rededication, will you please join us in our litany of dedication printed in your bulletin.
Almighty and everlasting God, in your great mercy, you saved Noah and his family in the ark from the destruction of the flood, prefiguring the sacrament of holy baptism. We thank you that by faith and through the waters of baptism, we rest in your grace. Grant through your spirit that those baptized here may enjoy the liberty and splendor of the children of God. There is one Lord, one faith, one, one baptism, people, one God, through the voices of prophets, pastors, and teachers, purify the lives and the lips of those who speak from this pulpit, that the gospel of Christ may be boldly and faithfully proclaimed for the building up of your church and the extension of your kingdom. Let the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Loving God, on the night that he was betrayed, your son Jesus Christ instituted for us the banquet of our salvation. Accept here our sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving in union with the one perfect sacrifice of your son. Grant that all who eat and drink at this holy table may be fed and refreshed by the sacrament of his body and blood. May they come with penitent hearts, lively faith, and perfect charity, and know that they are accepted always. dedicate this furniture to our living of God's word as we go from here inspired, challenged, comforted, or wondering as we remain on the lookout for God's presence in every place we go. May we remember that as you call us, O God, you send us, and as we are called to this place, it is to be sent out again to proclaim your word with our lives, to engage your word with our minds and hearts, and to live your word with our whole selves. Our scripture today is taken from the New Testament, two lessons, the first from the Acts of the Apostles, the first chapter beginning at the sixth verse. Thursday was the day of Ascension, Ascension Day, which in some Christian traditions is uh, a very uh, important day in their journey. Uh, Presbyterians don't usually pay a whole lot of attention to Ascension Day, uh, except that one of our windows is an Ascension window that you find also on the cover of your bulletin. So we will be reflecting on these texts as we reflect upon the Ascension of Jesus. So when they had come together, the disciples asked him, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom to Israel? And he replied, 
It is not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when he had said this, as they were watching, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while he was going and they were gazing up toward heaven, suddenly two men in white robes stood by them and they said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up toward heaven? This Jesus who has been taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. And then this text from Philippians chapter two, the beginning at the first verse. If then there is any comfort in Christ, any consolation from love, any partnership in the spirit, any tender affection and sympathy, make my joy complete. Be of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or empty conceit, but in humility regard others as better than yourselves. Let each of you look not to your own interest, but to the interest of others. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who though he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, assuming human likeness, and being found in appearance as a human, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him even more highly and gave him the name that is above every other name, so that the name given to Jesus, every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. By your grace and through your mercy, we pray, O oh Lord, that you will allow these words to come to point to the word just read and to the word made flesh in Jesus the Christ. Lord, we pray this in his name. Amen. Many of you have heard me tell the story of the wonderful Christmas day back when I was 16 and driving my family to my grandparents' home for Christmas. I was 16, filled with vim and vigor and pretty confident with six hours of driver's training under my belt and a newly acquired driver's permit in my wallet. Pretty confident even on this interstate trip and the unfamiliar highways of central Illinois. When you're 16, nothing can happen to you, except maybe a little ice on the highway and a construction zone and a pothole, all of which conspired to send me and the family car and the family inside it spinning at 55 miles an hour into a telephone pole. And the next two hours were filled with ambulances and police and live electrical wires and cracked bones and concussions and abrasions and hospital admissions. I was the only one left unscathed, physically that is. Psychically and emotionally, I was a wreck. All vim and vigor having bled from my being, all self-worth and confidence having fled my soul. A few days later, my, after my mother was granted permission to leave the hospital and after my father had hastily purchased a new family car, we found ourselves returning from, Mich from Illinois back to Michigan on Interstate 94 with my father at the wheel and me convinced that never again would I take the wheel. At some point along the way, and to my surprise, my father pulled off onto the shoulder of the highway, turned off the ignition, and handed me the keys. 
your turn, he said. Oh, no, I said. My driving days are over. Well, I guess that means, he said, we'll be sitting here for a long time. So we sat there for a minute with the keys dangling from his fingers. And with them, a father's unmerited grace and confidence. Unmerited grace and confidence. So after a couple of minutes, we drove with my sweaty palms upon the wheel. I loved my father for that moment, for that unmerited grace and confidence. Not sure how my mother felt sitting in the back seat in a cast. <laughs> That's another story. I'm not sure either how the disciples felt when the time came for Jesus to ascend into the heavens. It had probably been the most disorienting set of weeks that any group of human beings could have experienced. The triumphant parade of Jesus into the city six weeks before, followed by his arrest in the garden, and then the trial before the Sanhedrin, and then the cross-examination with Pilate, and then the crucifixion, and then the death, and then the empty tomb, and then the appearances of the risen Christ, and now the resurrected Jesus has gathered them, and and now they are ready to hear, finally, that they have arrived at their destination. That the journey that started when they were called from their boats and from their tax booths and from their old way of doing things, that the journey of Jesus' ministry had, had finally now reached the end of the rainbow and they were ready to claim the pot of gold. Is this the time, Jesus, when you will restore the kingdom? Oh, we've enjoyed being passengers with you as you've taken us up the mountains and into the valleys of your mission to save the world. We enjoy being observers and sometimes maybe even grab the wheel for a little bit to preach the gospel and heal the sick and feed the hungry and touch the lepers and console the unclean. We, we've watched it all, though, Jesus, from the passenger seat. And, and yes, we've even driven the bus off the road a couple of times, but, but now we're here, right, Jesus? We've arrived. We're at the end of the path. Where do we ring the bell and claim the prize? You can imagine how confusing it must have been when Jesus turned to his band of brothers and before their eyes dangled the keys to the kingdom and says, okay, your turn. Your turn to take the wheel. Your turn to drive. It must have been very confusing because it seems for this whole bunch that they thought the kingdom was a place, it was a destination, it was a place at which one arrives, that they thought they had arrived. It's pretty human, right, to think that way. We humans have all sorts of destinations for ourselves, estimated times of arrival. We will have arrived if we get ourselves to this place. We will have arrived if we graduate. We will have arrived if we get to our first job. We will have arrived if we retire. We will have arrived if we bought a house in Florida. We will have arrived if we join the country club. Have we not arrived, Jesus? Show us the kingdom. Jesus, to their surprise, says the kingdom in this world is not a destination. It is a journey. It is the driving. It is the traveling, it is the migration, it is the pilgrimage, it is the peripatetic life. Jesus ascends to heaven, and instead of swooping the disciples into his arms and taking them up to their ultimate destination, the right hand of the Father, Jesus instead hands them the keys 
and says, now it's your turn. Now you get to take the journey. You get to preach the gospel. You get to heal the sick. You get to feed the hungry. You get to touch the lepers. You get to console the unclean. You get to open the eyes of the blind. You get to bring peace to conflict. You get to love the unlovable. It's your turn to drive. Now remember, he's handing these keys to the likes of Peter and Thomas and James and John and the rest of them who have proven themselves recently fairly unworthy. This group has not had a good track record. They have not quite passed their driver's ed course. They have run themselves into ditch after ditch. Which makes this whole story so remarkable. With unmerited grace and confidence, the resurrected one hands them the keys and disappears into the heavens with only this command. Wait for the Holy Spirit. You will receive the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you will be fine. Take the keys, grab the wheel, wait for the Spirit, and then drive. Live life as I lived it. Preach the gospel as I preached it. Forgive sinners as I forgave them. Heal the sick as I healed them. Advocate for the poor as I advocated for the poor. Love one another as I have loved you. Do justice, love kindness. Walk humbly with your God. Let the same mind be in you, Paul says, that was in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God as something to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave and being born in human likeness and being found in human form, humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Take the keys, Jesus says. Have the same mind in you that was in me. Invite the power of the Holy Spirit to empty yourself, to humble yourself, to take on the form of a servant and get driving and experience the kingdom with every turn of the path, with every person you meet, with every mountain you climb, every valley you descend. Welcome pilgrim. The kingdom is in the pilgrimage. The kingdom is not where you are right now. It is not where you hope to be years from now. The kingdom is on the road. It's on the path along the way. Which may have been what Jesus was trying to say when he told that very familiar story to us about the man beaten on the side of the road. Every road has its pilgrims, its travelers. This traveler is beaten and left for dead. As it turns out, and as Jesus tells the story, there were more pilgrims, more travelers. Two of them religious people, a priest and a Levite, they come along, see the beaten man walk on the other side of the road. We don't know why they passed by. Maybe they were thinking about where they were going. Maybe they had an appointment to make or a person to meet. Maybe they were just afraid. Then Jesus says this comes the Samaritan, the most unworthy of the bunch in the eyes of the first century Jews. And Jesus says, well, he's the one who stops and helps the man. Why do the two pass by and one stops? Martin Luther King, when he preached on this story, said, I imagine that the first question the priest in the Levite asked was, if I stop to help this man, 
what will happen to me? When it likely, King continued, the Samaritan asked a different question. If I do not stop to help this man, what will happen to him? Which is a pilgrim question. It's the spirit who prompts that question. If the kingdom is in the journey and not the destination, if the kingdom is the pilgrimage, the discovery of what is on the road, if every person and every concern that appears along the way is a part of the kingdom, then what will happen if I do not stop? Thank God Jesus stopped. <laughs> Pilgrimage is a journey of stops. Thank God B. Salazar stopped. It was her slipped disc that first got her to stop. The old body wasn't what it used to be and she slipped a disc and so she had back surgery and was sent home to recuperate and was on disability and she was at home and she grew discouraged and a little depressed and she felt a little sorry for herself. One day as she stepped outside from her apartment to get some fresh air, she looked over at the apartment com complex dumpster and there inside the dumpster was a young boy scavenging for food. A, a young boy on the side of her little road there in a dumpster. So B stopped her pity party for a moment and went to him on the side of the road and told him that if he wanted some food, she could make him a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, which she did, went back to her apartment, made him a PBJ, brought it back and gave it to him to eat. When he was done eating, she sent the young boy home. 15 minutes later, a knock came to the door. She opened it and found six more young boys on her doorstep. Is it true, one of the boys asked, that you're giving away peanut butter and jelly sandwiches? Sure, she said. And as she fed them, she found out that no one was home at any of these boys' houses because they and their parents were immigrants, recent immigrants, and their parents were working, and it was summer, and they had no school to go to, and because there was no school to go to, there was nowhere to get lunch. The next day, more kids showed up, the next day, more kids. She felt like she was now feeding the neighborhood. When school began, the kids were coming over now to ask, ask help for homework. B saw that this was a, a snowball heading down a hill. So she asked for volunteers from her church and the community, got resources from the school. She got a land, her landlord to give her an apartment where she could set up shop for these children Long story short, B opened up five after-school centers around town with hundreds and hundreds of immigrant children visiting B and her ministry. B's kids is what they call them. There's a school named after B. If I do not stop, who will help them? have the same mind in you that was in Christ Jesus. The one who, who started and could not stop stopping. The one with the keys, the keys to the kingdom dangling from his fingers. Your turn to drive, he says, with unmerited grace and confidence. Take the keys, get behind the wheel, trust the spirit drive. Drive, pilgrim, 
walk, pilgrim, journey, pilgrim, and find the kingdom in all the stops along the way. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with you now and forevermore. Amen. Amen.